Another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we are talking. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. That's kind of... That we can't even like do like a quick summary of You're this, gonna I don't think. You're going to keep me in suspense, right? No, we, we're, we've <laughs> talked. We know what we're doing here. Yeah. But it's not exactly a topic. It's no. more a, a, a healthy, hopefully Randy. holy rant. <laughs> And yeah, and that's kind of, I dropped the bomb on Randy when we got in here. We, it's been a long week. We, we had some, some death at our church that we had to go to funerals and all that business. And it's, it's been a, it's been a rough week. Um, and so we're not probably as prepared as we normally are to talk about something we actually understand. So I thought, or, or try to understand for that matter. Uh, so I thought it might be interesting to just sit here and dig a few holes today okay and and ask the question what what are you discontent with in the church yeah yeah like i think that's a valid question cuz everybody's got an answer to that question oh everybody is asking the question sure and and that's just it is like and if you're not a- asking the question that's like the scariest place to be don't be there <laughs> Um, but there, there's a lot of problems sure. with the sure. church and, and I mean, especially like the American or Western culture church. I mean, we, we, we've been comfy for too long and things are, things are weird here sometimes. And I mean, especially now all the time, let's not lie. Um, and so like whether it's theology or it's worship or it's whatever, I just want to talk through some of those things, sure, and, sure. and and I I also want to say I don't uh, I don't want to pretend like I have answers <laughs> to these to these things that I'm I'm digging up the holes to. Some I might, and others it's more like it's just a feeling of something wrong. You know what I mean? Where it's like something mm-hmm. just feels amiss, something doesn't feel right. Um, and so you know if if at any point in this you feel called out. Um, good. Don't yeah. Well, well, maybe. I mean, I'm also leaving room that I could be wrong. You know what I mean? Like, sure, sure. I, I'm not Jesus. I don't have all the answers. Well, man, by the time we finish this hour, probably you are going to feel called out, and I'm going to feel called oh, out. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why we're trying to do this. I think. Right. It's, I mean, a lot of these issues start with you and me. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's just it is what it is. But well, it's mostly you. But yeah. <laughs> Oh, I see. That's the way we're going, right? So Randy's going to monologue for the next hour, and I'll see you guys later. I'm just going to go cry in my office. Um, yeah, so, I mean, what is there anything been on your heart lately? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's start with some of the obvious ones. Let's let's kind of get them out of the way and, and understand uh, we're not, we're not talking about things that are hidden here at the local church that uh, we uh, lead with a small team of pastors. We're talking about the big C church in sure. general. Which which probably means that our people are guilty of some of this stuff too. 
Because oh, I mean, probably so. It's, I mean, probably we're probably so. guilty of this too. We yeah. said that. Um, um, some of the more obvious stuff is there has been abuse in the church. There's been child abuse. There's been abuse of power. Mm-hmm. Um, starting about I don't know four or five months ago, you put me onto a podcast called "The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill." Oh yeah, and uh, that was about a a very attractional model, a very conservative uh, model of church, uh, avant-garde in its expression, but very conservative in its theology and uh, very abusive. Uh, In that particular church, the abuse was more uh, the abuse of leadership. It wasn't sexual abuse or child abuse. But we see that too, and way too many times. Leaders are involved in it, and uh, way too many times when leaders make confessions, they just come off sounding, I'm really sorry that I got caught. Well, well, that's just <laughs> it. I mean, oh, man, you're going to open up a rabbit hole there. Um I'm trying to think how to do this. I'll wait. Um, yeah, the, the the issue is that most of the time when, they, when they're apologizing for something, it's because they got caught. It's not because they, they are actually trying to be better. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, uh, okay, I said I'll wait. No, I won't. Uh, <laughs> another issue with that, though, is we put our pastors on pedestals. Yeah. That... There is, I, I feel this way, that there is no like, like for everybody else in the church, there's like open confession room for sin. For pastors, it's like, no, you just kind of have to have it together because if you don't, then you're not a good pastor. Right, right. And it's like, whoa, what? Right. Like, where's that written? Like, right. that's just more like a, that's more of like a tradition thing that we've just come to believe or something because that's not true. Like, I mean, honestly, biblically, is pastor a term used biblically? Yes. But it's more of, but like in the way we use it today, though? Because pastors yeah, today Paul are kind around of more encompassing terms. Sure, sure. So the, the Greek term would be the term for shepherd. Right. And uh, actually, that's the uh, very same in Spanish. The word for pastor and the word for shepherd is the same word. Very same thing in German, I found out. Really? So, yeah, when a group of German pastors get together, it's right. a meeting of German shepherds. But, but like, my point <laughs> is, though, like, you look at a pastor and, like, in the original church, would it have necessarily been that the person that did the teaching was a pastor? Well, not necessarily the one that did the teaching, but the one that certainly did the leading, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Paul talks about pastors in Ephesians four eleven, where he says there are five positions positions of leadership in the church, the apostle, the evangelist, the prophet, the pastor, and the teacher. So there is a a level of leadership wrapped up in the word pastor in the New Testament. And and I understand that. What I'm saying is, though, like, I feel like we take, like, all five of what you just said and lump them into one position, and that's what that person is expected to be. When I don't know that the Bible puts all of that on one person, does that make sense? Yes, it does, and that's absolutely accurate. Okay, because um, 
I don't, I don't know. Like I, I read it and like it talks about, you know, finding your elders. Mm-hmm. And when you're finding your elders, you're finding a pastoral team. Pretty much. I mean, the way it describes them, you want sure. men that can teach. You want right. men that can lead. You want men that have good uh, favor with the community and that they're of high reputation. Um, like, you're you're finding these pastoral figures, but they're what we would call elders today. And I guess what I'm saying is we look at it and we, we just take all those things and we kind of just lump them up and we put it in this position and call it senior pastor. And it's like, I don't necessarily know that that's what was initially and then we put unrealistic expectations on that right so my my dad was a pastor right and uh when i was probably 12 or 13 one time i don't know what was going on uh but something obviously was happening in the church and and dad said to me randy uh, the pastor can never have any friends huh i sure don't live that way i have i have friends here in the church, I have some people that I'm closer to than others, and uh, I call them friends. I think I act to them. They certainly act to me like a friend acts. And right. I am grateful for that because I need it. Right. Yeah. And no, I mean, like, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that, but I can definitely see where he's coming from with that, too. Oh, yeah. That it's like, I think, honestly, we're just super lucky to be where we are. We're in a we're in a church with a lot of really loving, awesome people. But I've been to some churches where it is cutthroat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes, and I, I could see how a pastor in that position could very much feel like they're just walking on eggshells all the time. Um, we kind of hit low hanging fruit here: uh, uh, abuse, abuse of power, child abuse. Uh, um, adultery, you know, all of those. Those are things that happen in the church and how the church responds typically not real well. Uh, But that's low-hanging fruit. I don't think that's what, when you talked about this topic, I don't think you were talking about that particular. I'm not not talking about that. I mean, honestly, I don't have anything in mind here, man. I'm just, I'm taking shots here. I'm spitballing. Like, (laughs) I... I mean, you heard me. I had a mental breakdown in Randy's office earlier this week. Just like, <laughs> I I don't know. Every once in a while, it just builds up to a point where I just start ranting. And then by the end of it, I'm a sulking mess sitting in the corner. And everybody's just kind of You're bummed. exhausted. I'm exhausted. You're exhausted. Everybody's like, well, today is over. Um, but, like, it, it's not hard for me to get there. Like, I guess I just look. I heard Francis Chan once say, um you know, in the Bible, it says that uh, they'll know you by your love for one another when talking about the church. Right. And Francis Chan said, I still haven't been to that church. And I was like, dang, and you're not hmm. wrong. Well, <laughs> like, like, I see love for each other among groups in our church, in any church I've yeah. ever been to. But I've never been to a church where I just walked in and everybody just knew everybody and were friends and loved everybody. I've never seen that. Now, given the churches in Acts weren't 15 people, they were... Right, they were house churches. Exactly. And so that's probably... And and see, here's why we're doing this, is I have just come to that realization in this moment, right now, (laughs) where I'm like, okay, shut up, Zach. Um, Fill that hole back up. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly good to move on from that now. But like... 
it's still worth mentioning, I but think. It's absolutely worth mentioning because if our desire today is to have a large church with adequate programs for homogeneous groups, uh, like here's the youth program, here's the, here's the uh, um, 20 to 23-year-old single men looking yeah. for a partner, and here's the group for uh, retired widowers who like to play golf, and, you know, you can... <laughs> Uh, it, it can turn into clicks. It can really turn into clicks, and that's the only people that you know. Or or, or mindsets, even, because a lot of what you just mentioned are kind of mindsets or certain walks yeah, of life. Yeah, But you know what I think is awesome right now about something we're doing here? Rooted. Yeah. Your rooted group that you're currently in. Dude, okay. So uh, I love any, anybody from my rooted group and several of you listen to Salty Saints, plug your ears. <laughs> I'll wave at you when you can come back in again. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, we have everything from teenagers to people who ought to be retired but don't know any better than to keep working. We have middle-aged people with kids. Uh, we have middle-aged people with adult children. And we all come together, and for whatever reason... We like each other, and we spend time together, and we're loving it, and it's one of the most enjoyable things yeah. that I've done here in the past two or three years. I, I I think there's a need for more of that, like the multi-generational, multi-racial, multi-walk-of-life. Like yeah. You just got a little bit of everybody meshed into this big pot together, figuring out life together. Oh. You can listen again. Oh, yeah. Ear, earmuffs <laughs> off, I guess. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, and it, we're looking to expand because we need more people to bring in more viewpoints. and Yeah. And, yeah. Start more start more rooted groups. And kind of like what we yeah. were just talking about. I mean, like, if you, wanna, if you want something as close to the early acts churches as you're probably going to get, it's probably a rooted group. It's probably a hope group or the beginning. And it's not, one. yeah. I mean, the the material that you cover in Rooted, it's ten weeks. It's really awesome material. It's pretty uh, basic. It's, it's basic. It's, like it's very basic. But you fast together one time. You come together and you spend the whole time in prayer one time. Mm -hmm. You find a service project and you go out and you work together one time. Uh, you have communion together one time. So. It's just a wide variety of experiences, but you get a chance to really get to know each other. Mm. One of the times, and this, I think, is, is one of the best times, you get a chance to come together and confess your sin to each other. That was a heavy night. Yeah, but afterward, it's not like you walk around saying, oh, I know what you do. No. It's like you walk around with, Man, I know what you're struggling with. I'm, I'm going to pray for you right now here as I'm walking down this hall. And, it's uh, it's it's a, it's a burden off your shoulders too it is, to, it to is. have people around you that that know you that and your know struggles you a little and, bit more, and that are rooting for you. Yeah, and helping you yeah. along like that's huge. Maybe that's why it's called rooted because you're rooting <laughs> for each other. So, anyways, See my next complaint with the church is bad jokes. <laughs> um, just kidding. Um. I don't know. Me and Jason just got back from lunch, and uh, 
we were talking about everything under the sun. And uh, one of the things, so we, we've talked about Jason's position on a few worship songs before for just being yeah. terrible theologically. And he, he said something today. He was like, you know, he's like, I finally started thinking about this from a different perspective. And he's like, I always look at it and I'm always like, ah, oh, bad theology, bad theology, bad theology. Like, I, I don't like that. He's like, but I don't know that I'd ever taken the time to stop and say, but why do we love it so much if it's bad theology? And I was like, ooh, we're going to talk about that soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's getting plugged into my little rant session today. There we go. And I mean, okay. so so think about it, though. Like, what is what is the theme of all these songs that are not so theologically sound today? Well, Are you I haven't familiar had any with any time. of it? I haven't had any time to think about it, so I don't know. I have some thoughts, but I'd love to hear yours. Well, you get all these themes of like what what God did for me, what Jesus saved me, <laughs> Jesus loves me. Um and there's these themes of like overcoming and like it, I guess what we kind of came to the conclusion of in this in this talk was like even though these songs are like theologically not good, um, and some better than others, some worse than sure. others, they're not sure. all equal. And 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 some of them honestly aren't even bad theologically. It's just like the way they're used yeah. that's not great. And when you plug it in with twenty other songs about me, 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 it it they some of them lose their potency, even if they are decent theologically. And so I guess what I'm saying is like. It takes the aspect off of God and on us. Yeah. When worship is about God, but it shows that we live in this world that is so concerned about like me being comfortable. Well, that's the culture that we happy. live in too. Right, but it's a problem when your Christian songs Reflecting. make your culture yeah. happy. Yeah. Because honestly, like, and, and and I we we got talking about it yesterday. It, the funeral, um, Jason played, um, it is well with my soul. Right. And I said, well, what's different about it is well with my soul then? Because it's, you know, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Right. And so that's about me, but it's not like a, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out great. God's rooting for me. It's not like that. Right. It is well with my soul is like a life may suck tomorrow. Life stinks. Life. Do life, you know the story of that hymn? No. Now I'm I'm probably going to get parts of it wrong, but try uh, your best, Randy. That's all uh, we can ask for. There was a fellow moving from England to the U.S. He was going to bring his family. He had a, job that he was going to be doing over here and he was actually a hymn writer among the other things that he did and they decided to come separately so uh you know danger being what it is uh, uh come over on different boats then if one of them goes down one will survive so he came over first and uh his wife and i think it was two children were coming over on the other boat and uh the story that sticks in my mind was that he could see the boat coming 
uh, when something happened and the boat sank. Man. And he lost his wife and his two children. And he sat down and he thought and he wrote those words. Now, I probably got sections of that story Look, wrong. even if the gist of that is yeah. close. I mean, you get the I idea. mean, it's born out of a life where sorrows like sea billows roll. I mean, the guy just lost his family. Right. And so, I mean, my point is, though, the song isn't like, life's going to be awesome. Right. It's almost more like that. It's almost more like Job, where it's like, I don't have to have the answers because God yeah. has the answers. All I know, or or like Paul saying, I uh, I profess to know nothing but Christ crucified. Yeah. Um, that I don't have to have any of the answers. I just know that my soul is good because of Jesus Christ. Right. I know that Jesus died. It's not died because for of me. me. Right. 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 It puts all of it on Jesus. Like I guess maybe that's what I'm saying. Is like it seems to me that so many of the current Christian songs are so popular or that are so popular are kind of putting us to the forefront that like the Bible is somehow about God saving us when the Bible isn't about God saving us. The Bible is about glorifying God and us getting saved in that is part of it, but it's not like the point of it. Right, right. But we kind of take it and make it the point of it. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're the side characters in the story. We're the NPCs in this video game. We are not the playable character. That's Jesus. Yeah. Like, let, let him be the the hero here. Um, and so, I, I don't know, that bothers me. Um, and, you know, I mean, what, and if you want a couple examples, I talked about this with Logan Oaks in the, in the, in the Logan Oaks episode of Salty Saints, but... You know, uh, reckless love. Yeah. I get what you're trying to do there. The lyrics are garbage. Stop singing it. It's not true. Like, it's, it's, God isn't reckless. His love is not reckless. It is very intentional. Reckless means something done without care. God does nothing without care. He's the most thought through, planned out being in existence. He's the standard of, of being planned out and thought through. Stop saying he's reckless. That's (laughs) ignorant. It's a good song. It sounds good. Sounds nice, and it's an interesting yeah, concept. And, and but, uh, the intention there is probably good, too. But it's not theologically correct. So should we be singing it in church? Probably not. And if you are singing it in church, change the words. Make it make, it make sense. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Oceans, that one's weird. Jason talks about that a bit. Yeah, that one is He's gonna just weird because it's mixed metaphors. Yeah, yeah. It can't make up its mind. And... I don't know. That's 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 my complaint on the music thing. But I was I was a little bit off. Uh, his wife and children went over first, and the ship went down. Oh. Uh, the captain of the boat, when he was going over, when they got to the point that the other boat went down, the captain told him it was right here, and that's when he sat down and he wrote the words. So mm. yeah, but same story. same story, same, same story. story. Yeah, that's rough, man. Um, that's another thing that's wrong with the church today. We think that salvation is all about happy, happy, joy, joy. Huh. Things, things are gonna, things will be so much better, and that gives uh, root to uh, things like the prosperity gospel, things like the uh, 
Norman Vincent Peale and his Joel Osteen would be a, oh, okay. a, a proponent I, of that. I was going to make you everything explain. is just yeah, yeah. Jesus loves you exactly. He wants you to be happy and rich, right? And healthy. How was that? Was that was that close? Was <laughs> Pretty that? good. All right, good. thanks. Yeah. We need a big J in a circle behind you. Then. So, so there's this there's this uh, Christian guitar pedal company, and their distortion pedal is called the Joel Osteen Distortion, <laughs> which is the funniest thing I've ever heard. But uh, and it's just his face on it. Oh, it's so good. It's like a crudely drawn animation, but you know whatever. Now, I don't mean to rip on anybody. I do. Uh, in, in, I mean to rip on Joel Osteen <laughs> quite a bit, actually. <laughs> But you know, we 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 absorb that type of a thought without critical thought ourselves. Yeah. We think that's the way it's supposed to be. And it's not. Jesus was crucified. He looked at his disciples and he said, If they hated me, they're gonna hate you. Yeah. If 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 they condemned me, they're gonna condemn you. Yeah. Or yeah. or like so to tag on to the end of that, like what do you do then with all the people that are like, God is going to heal this person. He is going to, because that's what he wants. And it's like, we're putting, we're we're like putting words in God's mouth. Like maybe he's going to heal that person, or maybe he's going to use that person's death to save the soul of their brother or sister or what, you know what I mean? Like you don't know. So stop assuming, you know, God's plan and saying, oh, yeah, no, he's never going to let anybody die ever because we're going to pray about it. <laughs> what? You don't know. Like, you don't know the bigger plan. Stop assuming you don't. You know it. You know what I mean? Like, That's a tough one. Uh, you know, when we pray for somebody's healing, I think we are supposed to have confidence. We're supposed to pray with, with faith. Um, that is different from presumption, though. Well, yeah, when Jesus said, Lord, if there is another way, then let me have that way. But if there's not, your will be done. Like, it was a, you know, we we have to pray for his plan first. And if there's room for our request in his plan, I believe he will grant it if we pray for it. Is that a a fair way of saying it? Sure. Sure. We, we, he's not a genie. We don't have some magical power over him. <laughs> I think people look at God as as great grandfather and Jesus as their Aladdin's lamp genie. Sorta. Well, I mean, he said if you pray in my name, it'll be given to you. Yeah. But it's like, whoa, folks. Let's let's it's, look at how he even used that, though. You know what I mean? And like, what he even prayed for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He never prayed for a Ferrari. Right. Like, well, not that there was a Ferrari. He never prayed for the fastest camel. Right. <laughs> Sorry. And even when the, even when. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what they, what I, they went fast on. I don't either. I don't, I don't either. <laughs> or if they liked going fast. <laughs> even when he was fasting in the desert and fasting for 40 days and nights and Satan said, just turn this stone into bread. Mm. He wouldn't even do that. Yeah. And he had to be hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you say to Polycarp? We just talked about the martyrs the other day. Yeah. What do you say to Polycarp? You don't think Polycarp's faith was strong enough? Because that's what it turns into for, like, the word of faith movement. And I'm sorry, I've got to knock on that a bit here. That, like, <laughs> that if, if, something, if you pray for something and it doesn't happen, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Polycarp didn't have enough faith? Like, 
you don't think Polycarp wanted to live at that point in time? And he just gets stabbed to death and set ablaze in front of everybody in the Roman Colosseum, you know what I mean? Like, But he's the one that when they came to him and said, uh, how was it they said that they wanted to get him out of there? Uh, take oh, no, no, him no, to no, a different no, that's, place? Uh, that's uh, Ignatius. Oh, that was Ignatius. Yeah, okay. Ignatius declined. And he said, no, no, no. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know that I'm going to go, and I know that I'm going to die. Right. But that's okay. Right. Right. So, and that's not to say you should just, like, pray for a moment to be a martyr. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we should pray for what we need. We should. But, like, at the same time, if it doesn't happen, don't assume you didn't have enough faith, and don't assume God doesn't care. Right. That's not what's happening there, and we have to be careful with gospel, sorry, with movements that say otherwise. So, Zach, if Christianity is not intended to make us happy, what is it good for? To make us holy. To make us set apart. To make us... It's... uh, I don't... I don't... I got to be careful I say this. Uh, We talked about that quote while we're talking about about martyrs. I'll take it down this route. Um, That I think it was Augustine? No. I don't remember who said it, but that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Tertullian. Tertullian, there, yeah. that's who it was. Uh, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, that, that that's what's going to plant this and make it grow, is people see faith through suffering is kind of the root of what I think he's saying there. And I, I don't believe that that has to make it all the way to martyrdom. I think there are people, I mean, we're living sacrifices. We're called yeah. to be living sacrifices yeah. before God. We're to die to ourselves every day. And so, like, if you're truly living that way, it's noticed that, like, you're holy, you're set apart, something's different about you, you're denying yourself for Christ, and not because you're trying to earn something, you've already been blessed with it, you've already been gifted it, but you're doing it out of love and belief and truth. Um, I, I think that's what we've been called to, is to to look like Jesus looked, to be a servant to the people around us to suffer in this life, but to find happiness and goodness in, in the suffering that. I think what you've said is definitely right. Uh, I would, I would put it in a different way and I'd probably put it in this way because I'm writing a sermon for Sunday. And oh, so <laughs> what you're saying are... is you already had an answer. <laughs> oh, I did. I did. <laughs> so I think, uh, God created the world perfectly, and he had a purpose for the world. We messed it up when we sinned. Uh, God created the world, and he said, I want you to do two things. I want you to uh, rule over the creation, and I want you to expand it beyond this garden. Mm -hmm. Take it over the whole earth. Rule over the creation meant care for it, uh, cultivate it. Uh, help it realize its fullest potential. And it was a perfect world. No weeds, uh, apparently no carnivores at that time. Every Everything uh, lived off of vegetation. Work wasn't debilitating. Work was not debilitating. It was... It was all the good parts of work. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. That you find joy in it, you find purpose in it. Then we sinned, and immediately... Instead of ruling, now we exploit. 
if we ruled creation, we would be helping creation reach its greatest potential in favor of mankind. Instead, we exploit it. Um, we deplete it. We uh, there, there are even laws in the Old Testament, strange little laws. Uh, don't plant crops between your grapevines. Uh, that's all about depleting the soil. Don't deplete the soil. Uh, there is actually a law that says if you find a mother bird and chicks in a nest, you may take the chicks, but you can't take the mother. Why? Because the chicks will die if you take the mom, but the mom can go out and lay more eggs and have more chicks. So it's about depleting. We exploit instead of caring for. And the second thing, instead of expanding and extending this, our first desire is to hoard. We want more. Hmm. We just want more. And when we get more, we look at what we have and we say, more. And so we get more. And we look at that and we say, more. And we just keep on this 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 uh, treadmill of of gathering and gathering and gathering and hoarding because it's all about us. When we sinned, we turned our focus away from God and away from creation, away from each other, and we started contemplating our own navel. We became self-centered, selfishness is the essence of sin. And I believe the essence of Christianity, and by that I mean the essence of following Jesus, is to become others-centered. So, so what's coming to my mind right now is like, oh, <laughs> this will kind of get tied in. Um, the, a, lot, a lot of Christians are, are ultra-conservative. Um, and I'll just be completely honest. I think it's a whole lot more likely for you to be a legitimate Bible-believing Christian and be ultra-conservative than to be a Bible-believing Christian and be ultra-leftist. I find it really hard to find a lot of the left's agendas to match with with Scripture. At least in, in America. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, the left and the right is going to look different depending on where you live. I'm speaking from a solely American view here. Um, But like our – because, I mean, even 100 years ago, the left isn't what it it is now, right? Right, yeah. It's it's different. Um, So, like, yeah, all all these agendas getting pushed on the world by the left right now, they they don't fit in Christianity. Um, With that said, um, a lot of what the right believes doesn't – either because we take it too far the other direction as well um but but so many conservatives i know almost worship the u.s yeah like we we can't get around it like it's a totally a thing whether we whether we know it or not and so 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 often I'll see people. And I'm not saying the U.S. is bad. And I'm not saying the ideals that we were built on are bad. But I'm saying we can warp them easily, and I think we have. Yeah. That when you look at like the uh, American dream, you know, the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? 
that's not bad. That's a really beautiful thing to want. But the problem is it makes room for our selfishness and it makes room for our evil. And The way we apply that. Right. Uh, Scripture makes no room for that. And so what I'm saying is the American dream can fit into the Bible when applied biblically. Yeah. But the Bible doesn't always fit into the way we try to use the American dream. The American dream can also fit into Genesis chapter 3. The, the exactly. 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 Yeah. And so, like, we, we have to be careful that even though something as beautiful as, like, the American dream, what we're to be achieving, like, constitutionally, that we can misuse that. And we can misrepresent what yeah. that was intended to truly be. And we can turn it into, oh, do what thou will. If you're not familiar with that statement, that's <laughs> that's Satanism. That's the, the mantra that is of their, Satanism. Their logo, their, that, that's, that's their, their motto. Yeah, their motto, do what thou will. That's Levian yeah. Satanism. Do what you want. We we get scared of the word Satanism, but I mean if that, if that's all I told you about Satanism, you'd be like, Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. There's a lot of people that'd be down for that. Yeah. Um and I think we're constantly trying to keep our our view of what we think life should look like. The American dream, me getting more and more and more, doing what I want with it. Yeah. Our warped view of that. And we're trying to hold on to the Bible with the other hand and say, I can have both of these things. And Jesus is saying, no, you can't. Pick one. You know, like, yeah. I think that's kind of what the Pharisees were doing. That they thought they were following God, but they were holding on to the world. And Jesus is saying, "You say you're your sons of God, but you're sons of hell." Huh. Would he say the same thing to us? Hmm. Mm. Slam. Boom. Yeah. Philippians chapter two. So Paul, following down this rabbit trail of self-interest, mm-hmm. Paul says. Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That is so anti-American. I'm, okay, but let's take it back to the American dream. It doesn't have to be. That can be exactly be. what the American dream is saying. Right. Because the Bible saying you don't actually find happiness in yourself, you find it in loving others I, and in Christ. I even think there was a time when in America uh, this was the normal thing was to help your neighbor. Today, we don't even know our neighbor's names. Right. Paul goes on. I'll get this. I am reading from the, I think this is the Holman Christian Study Bible. Nope. It's the English Standard Version. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Here's the interesting thing. NIV says the same thing. New Living Test uh, Translation says the same thing. But that is not what the Greek says. The Greeks, uh, King James says this, RSV says this. The Greek says... Let each of you look not to his own interest, but look even to the interest of others. So why do they translate it? Don't just look to your own interest because it's ingrained in us that that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to look out for number one. 
right? Mm. Paul actually says, stop it. Stop looking at your own Stop interest. looking at your own interest. Look for the other's interests. And I've, uh, he then goes into four examples. First of all, Jesus. What did Jesus do? He left heaven. He came here. He died for us. And that's exactly what Paul talks about. Then he talks about himself. And he says, I am pouring myself out as if I were a drink offering. Well, what you did with the drink offering, you would take it and you'd pour it on the ground and the ground would just suck it up, suck it up and there would be nothing left. Then he talks about Timothy and he says, chapter 2, verse 20, I have no one else like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Everybody else seeks their own interests but not Timothy. And then he finishes talking about Epaphroditus. They sent Epaphroditus to Paul with an offering. Paul used that to sustain his team while he was doing ministry. Epaphroditus said, can I stay on? And Paul said, yeah, yeah, I need your help. Stay with me. And he got sick. He almost died. So Paul sends Epaphroditus now back with the letter to the Philippian church, thanking them and also saying, Epaphroditus, he was looking out for my interest, and he almost died as a result. But he didn't. But he didn't. And now I'm sending him back to you, Paul says. Mm. Now, here's the thing. Being a Jesus follower means following what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He looked out for our interests. He took his own interests and he laid them all aside. And he started looking out for everybody else's interest. We don't do that enough in the church. It's all sec- it's all secondary or tertiary. It's not... Way too many times. Oh. No, Not we've e- got people who do it. We've got people to do it. I can, I've had people who've done it for me. They have looked out for my interest. Right. Even when it costs them something. Right. But and what I Paul, is so saying, Paul is saying is that's the lifestyle, though. That's and right. And I'm saying how many people do we know where that's just what they do, that that's right. just them? I don't know that I know anybody that it's just other-focused all the time. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying how many people have just taken that and run with I haven't. I fail at that miserably, dude. I play Warhammer. Have you ever seen what a Warhammer model costs? <laughs> yeah. Dear Lord. You're, you're making me feel bad over here. I'm like, I just need to go sell everything. Like, <sighs> I, I've, I've felt this way for uh, since it would have been 92 So um, I've felt this way for going on to 30 years. And I've tried to live that way. And I mess up. And when I mess up, I look at myself and I say, yes, mate, you were selfish there, weren't you? What have you learned? (laughs) Here's the really funny thing about everything you just said is like, I could see somebody trying to make an argument against that and saying like, well, what about you? Got to eat. You gotta. You gotta be clothed. You gotta. 
you got to have the stuff to live, right? Believe me, Zach, me having clothes on right now benefits you greatly. And that's what I was going to say <laughs> is like even even eating, if you're looking at it from the perspective of, well, I'm supposed to be a gift to other people and I can't serve other people if I am not alive. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> so, right, right. So I have to eat. Sure, I have to sure. I have to do – and I have to steward my body. That's been given to me by from God. Right, right, and so right, I'm loving right, God right. when I steward right, my own body. Right. You know, so like it's Yeah, I mean there are It's about perspective. You can you can take things to a ridiculous place, uh, but the bottom line is I really feel that the essence of Christianity is losing that self interest, that self focus, losing selfishness as a motivation in my life and gaining an interest in others. Mm. You know what? All the most, all the most incredible people I've ever met. Like, I I don't know if I've talked about this on here, but I met this guy (laughs) for like literally a minute. Um, I was at ball state going to school there and uh, the back back when I was selling my wild oats, right? So I was kind of an (laughs) idiot. And my roommate was trying to get a job as a bus driver at Ball State. And so I Hmm. went with him. Okay. It was a good job. It was one of the better paying jobs at Ball State. And it was cushy because you just drive around all day. Um, So I went with him to the the offices where they do that. And it's like off campus. It's in a weird spot where they keep the buses. And we go in and it was like the guy that was going to hire him. And he's like this office manager dude over this position. And I couldn't tell you his name. I don't know anything about him. I met him for like 40 seconds. But that interaction I had with that guy, he was different than other people. Like I like I saw it. Like I was like, this guy really cares about other people. Like it's not a show. Because I'm really good at, at knowing when somebody's being fake. Yeah. Which is part of why I'm just so consistently cynical. <laughs> um, because you see a lot of fake people It's, it's disgusting yeah. and I'm tired of it. Um, and, and maybe I go too far the other direction, but like, it's like, I just, yeah, like it bothers me. And so when I saw that dude, I was like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) why? Like who, who are you? You know? And like, I I mean, this 10 years later, I'm talking about this guy. I don't know anything about him, but I remember that guy. Yeah. And it's like, what if that's who we were to everybody we met? (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool? Like, but how many of us have a story like that? You know, I don't know. How many of us have been that to other people? I don't know. We got we we got we got a couple more we got to cover here before we before we start talking about good things that the church is go for it. So, um, <laughs> um, theology, yeah. And I can take this two directions. The one side of it is we don't know why we believe what we believe enough. I guess we. we so as a pastor now, I feel like I can speak to this. Um, I really do feel like people talk to me often like I'm supposed to know more than they do about the Bible. And I don't know where that's coming from. Like the difference between me and anybody else is it's my job to be here. Like that's it. Like that's yeah. the difference. Like, yeah. wow, I'm not holier. I'm not better. I mean, I'm stealing that from Martin Luther. Right. But like – you can know as much and more than me and that's good and you should because then you could teach me stuff <laughs> and I'd be totally hit. I'd be happy for that. You know, um, 
I want to say I, I wish there was more of that. On the flip side, going like like I said, like everything's always we're always running too far to one direction, too far right, to one of the two right, poles. Right, right. The other side of that is my heels are dug in and I know everything about the Bible and everyone else is a heretic because they don't think exactly like me. <laughs> and if I have to hear one more reason why it's KJV only, I'm gonna pull out all my hair and cry. <laughs> Because that's the silliest argument. And, I, and if you listen to this and you're a KJV only person, I still love you. And I'm sorry if I just offended you dearly. But I'd love for you to write in and explain to me why KJV only makes sense biblically and historically. You can't do it. And like that's and then the, you got to get which version of the KJV, the 1622 or the... Right. But then <laughs> here's, here's why. The, and, and I'm picking on the KJV only for one very particular reason. Because I believe you're Christians. I believe there are many God-fearing, right. God-loving brothers and sisters of mine out there that would look at me and say that I'm a heretic and a terrible person because I'm not the KJV only. Right. And I'm going, that's the only difference we got is I'm reading a different translation. Well, why don't we just go back to the Greek and do this for real? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? You can take any denomination and, and pick on them in that way. I just think it's silly for any one denomination to dig in their heels and be like, we have got it 100% sorted out. We are not wrong on any of this. Now, I believe there's a lot of people in different denominations that are probably like, yeah, I think we got about 90% of it right, and we're trying to figure out that other 10%. And if that's where you're at, cool. I respect that 100%. But to just think that you know it all, you have a problem, and you're wrong, because the Bible is too complex for that. That felt good. <laughs> <laughs> there's another there's another aspect of theology. Theology in its bottom line is knowing things about God, understanding God. Mm. We can make theology all about particular words and uh you know, especially words that come from Latin and Greek and uh we can make it so complicated that it's hard to follow. Yeah. And I get that. I understand why some people write theological books and they use highly technical language to communicate one very specific concept. I don't like that. I think theology needs to be simple, something that anybody could digest. Anybody could look at it and say, yeah, I get that. But it takes all types. Because some people are wired that way, where they need it that specific. And I mean, it's like Thomas the Doubter. Like, he had to feel the holes in Jesus' hands before he understood. True. Like, maybe you need it spelled out that yeah. that precisely. Maybe, and, and that's what I do. I say this all the time, and I'm probably going to have some Calvinists and some Wesleyans listen to this get real mad. But you're, you lean more Wesleyan. Oh, yeah. I don't lean Calvinist, but like... I, I see where they're coming yeah, from. Do. <laughs> I don't think I do. Okay. Because, like, I don't believe in election. Okay, okay. Which would okay. pretty much disqualify me as a Calvinist. You lean more Baptist, then. Many Baptists are Calvinists. Many are. I don't... I don't know where I lean, Randy. Okay. I really don't. I just want to know the truth. That's yeah. all. I just want to love Jesus and love other people. But there's so many good arguments for every side that it's like, I don't even know anymore. I don't know. My dad, who, <laughs> so dad, dad's call to ministry 
was when he realized that the pastor in his local church was reading his sermons from a book of sermons that dad happened to own. And so he took the book of sermons and walking out the door, held the book of sermons up instead of his Bible to shake the pastor's hand on his way out. And the pastor saw it, realized that dad had caught him. And the pastor said, well, Leonard, if you think you can do any better, go for it. That was dad's call to ministry. <laughs> That's so funny. He went out and he said, I can do better than that. That's so funny. He went to Fort Wayne Bible College, which no longer exists. Uh, he did one semester, took a course in the Old Testament, a course in the New Testament, a course in preaching, and a course in theology. Finished one semester and said, okay, I'm ready. And he started preaching. He was a very good preacher. He was incredibly wise. Everything he got, he got because he studied God's word. He also did something that I've tried to do, and I've never been able to live up to my dad's example. He would read a sermon a day. He had volumes of sermons of the great preachers, and I think that really helped him to preach. Hmm. Um, one time he told me, you know, there are verses for Calvinism and there are verses for Wesleyanism. Just depends on which verse you want to look at. Yeah. <laughs> and he's absolutely right, and, and depending on what you focus on. So the truth, I don't know. Well, and that's and that was the point I was going to make. Is like, and let me clear that up. I said I don't believe in the election. I totally believe in the election. I don't believe in the election in the way that most Calvinists would represent it. Um, but I, I remember talking to you and like looking at you and saying, "Well, I, I really don't know that there's as many differences between Wesleyans and Calvinists that they think there are, because they look at each other like they're on opposite ends of the spectrum." <laughs> or Methodists and Calvinists, however you want to say it. But, like, I would make the arg argument that it's, like, I feel like Calvinists are very, like, they need their ducks in a row. They need, yeah. it, they need it all spelled out, kind of like we were saying. Like, it needs to be a very hashed-out theology. Right, very they're, logical. Very logical, very black and white. And then the Wesleyan is very feeling. And yeah. they're very, it's all about love, and it's all about, like, and like I'm saying, there's room for both of those people. Yeah. And most of the time, I think they're saying the exact same thing, Very but it's close. not yeah. computing with the other one, right? Because they don't think in the same terms. I think I've told you about my dear, dear friend Theo Donner in in uh, Colombia. He's he's Dutch, and he is a five point Calvinist. One time he said, "Randy, the difference." between Calvinism and Wesleyanism is that Calvinism is a logical theology. Wesleyanism is a pastoral theology. Mm. And I think he's really on to yeah. something there. I'm good with that all day. Yeah. Man, I'm salty that you think you can nail me down as a Calvinist over here. <laughs> I, I will not bend the knee to any denomination <laughs> until I am sold out that it's right. So, but, Part of what's wrong with the church today is putting people in a box, That's right? That's right. But, like, does, did you... Okay. Get back in that well, box. Well, okay, so none of the teachers of religious law could get Jesus to jump on their side. That's right. So why would we assume that we could, should jump on the side of any reformer? Yeah. Like, any of these guys, that they just had it all figured out. How do we know that that's all... We're still learning things. Like, come on. Like, 
I want to listen to what everybody's got to say, and I want to weigh it out and be like, that makes sense. So, so let me let me restate something that you've said there and kind of clarify something. It's not necessarily that everybody's wrong. That is true. Everybody is wrong. Sure. But everybody also has a good degree of truth. Sure. Well, not everybody. Not everybody. Not everybody. <laughs> But the kind of people that we're talking about right now, Reformed Wesleyan, they agree on 98% of the stuff. Well, yeah, but yes, yes. Sorry, you've got me thinking. I'm doing mental gymnastics over here. Like even like the apostolic Pentecostal church, which does not believe in the Trinity, which is a heresy, which is not good. You should not believe that because it puts salvation on you because it doesn't work anymore if yeah. you have a heresy. That's the point of a heresy. A heresy means that salvation doesn't work anymore. I would say once you get outside of like Trinity and once you get outside of like speaking in tongues tied to salvation. The authority of God's word. Everything else is pretty much good. Yeah. But it's like, but you've got those two things which are so... They're tenets. They're pillars of the faith. And when yeah. you've jacked those yeah. up, you've screwed up the whole picture. And yeah. so it's like, I don't, uh, even even them, yeah, they've got a lot of things right, but it kind of matters what you've got that's, right, too. And that's true. That is very true. And that's kind of what I was trying to get at. Yeah. But yeah, they're like, like me standing here going, no, I'm not Wesleyan. No, I'm not Calvinist. I can look at a Wesleyan and a Calvinist and go, my brothers, yeah. what's right. going yeah. on? Yeah. You know, yeah. um, or a Methodist or a Baptist or right. a Nazarene gotcha. or a Lutheran or whatever. And, you know, some of those, it, it seems like every denomination at this point is divided left and right now that yeah. you've got the liberal leaning sect of, of this denomination and you've got the conservative leaning sect of this denomination. Well, I'm going to jump on the conservative side of every single one of those. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, no, I don't think anybody's got it all figured out, but I think everybody's got a lot of things figured out. Yeah. We're all parts of one body. Yeah. We all make the church, Yeah, you know, and, and it takes us all working together. And so here's my idea. Okay. And I'm throwing this out there. I want to, I've, I've been talking to some pastors in the area, trying to reach out to them. And we've talked about this a little bit, but for people listening, you can, you can mull this over and, and write in and tell me if this is a good idea. But I think it would be so cool that in the Indianapolis area, which is where we're located, if we would get four or five churches at a time to all come together and host, one of them would host. And all of the people of the individual churches would invite everybody to go to that hosting church of that month or that week, however you end up doing it. And you have a representative from each of those churches. And let's say they're all different denominations, all believing Christians, all true believers coming in with different viewpoints. And we would pick a topic like, say, the elect or sanctification or salvation or whatever you want to do theologically. And have each of them take 10 minutes or so to give their denomination, their church's position on that issue. And then they all talk it out. They all hash it out together. And then there's a questioning time that everybody can come together and say, yeah, we're all believers and we're all brothers and sisters. And yeah, we probably disagree on some things, but let's see where we agree. Let's see where we can come together and realize we got more in common than we got different and be the church together. Would that not be awesome? 
Can we bring rotting vegetables? No. <laughs> no. It's fallen apart. It's what, all what kind apart. of responses have you gotten? I so I, I was supposed to have a meeting yesterday, but I had to reschedule because okay. of the funeral. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm I'm still reaching out. I think if I know I think it's a guys, great idea. I think if I know the guys in this area right, yeah. that it'll happen. Yeah. Or it could yeah. happen. And I think it would be awesome. Um and it's probably not for everybody in the church. It should be. We all need to know more about why we believe what we believe. We do. Because here's the, here's the other thing. There's so many believers that can't give a defense for their faith yeah. because they just believe what they've grown up being told is right, right. and that's good enough for, him, for them. But the problem is Paul tells us make, it, make a defense for your faith. Yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's a biblical command. Make it be able right. to make a defense right. for right. your faith. If you can't do that, you are going against the orders of Scripture. Um, we we are to be able to defend our faith, and that means knowing why we believe what we believe, mm-hmm. not just oh well, my parents raised me to believe that. Right. And so right. that's the benefit in doing something like this. I think. Right. Because then you get to see the other side of things, and then you get to weigh your options and say, well, maybe I do believe like that other person, or maybe I don't believe like that person. Yeah. Can I say one more thing? You can. One more one more complaint Please because do. we're coming up on an hour. We're okay. at an hour. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, we did it. We've Holy we've cow. done it. Um yeah, time flies when you're arguing. Um <laughs> <laughs> At least that's how most of my life has been spent. Um eschatology. Yeah. Here's here's my here here it is. I'm not going to say what I believe about revelation cuz I don't know what I believe about Revelation. There are several pretty logical views on how to read Revelation, and I don't know which one of them's right, but I can tell you the one thing I know you're not supposed to get out of Revelation. I just hope Jesus comes back and deals with this because I'm sick of it. And if I have to hear that from one more God loving, believing Christian, I'm gonna once again I'm gonna cry. Like we have a job to do, people. And what our, should we say instead of that? We should say that we got to take back this world and prepare it for Jesus Christ because he's called us to do that. And if we fail at it, whatever. That's not on us. <laughs> We're to spread the gospel. We're to make disciples of every nation, teaching them to obey the commandments of Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we are to know that Jesus is with us in that process. And it's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. You're going to hate it half the time because it's going to be hard and a lot of people are going to make fun of you and persecute you. They killed Jesus. I don't know why we'd think it'd be any different for us. So my point is, the next time you're fed up because a liberal agenda is getting pushed on you. Don't say, I hope Jesus comes back. Go vote different. Like, go <laughs> fix it. Like, go protest. Go tell people the truth. But don't be, don't go hide under a don't rock. Don't withdraw. Don't yeah, withdraw. Because we've turned yeah. so many of our churches into these little holy huddles where we just hide inside our four walls. Right. And we're not going out and proclaiming the gospel to the people that don't know it. Right. And if we get a new member at a church, it's not somebody that's never been to church. It's somebody that left the church down the road because they're tired of that pastor. Yeah. Like, it's just, we're just shuffling members. And I'm not hating on that. That's fine. Find the place that suits you. I'll hate you. on it. Okay. That is wrong. I, that... <laughs> well, it depends on what they're teaching, though. 
there are reasons to leave a church. Right. Um, if if it's just because you if it's because you're bored or something, sure, I'll hate on that. I'll hate on that. But I mean, I've left the church because I saw a dude sacrifice a piece of pottery on the stage and say right. that we weren't making enough sacrifices around here. After the church congregation had bought him a Harley Davidson limited edition truck that cost like seventy grand and a eighty thousand dollar grand piano, and they just sent him on a vacation to Vegas because they wanted to go to this giant convention and then it turns out oh it's a family vacation i've seen that happen too and that's worth leaving a church over <laughs> like if that's your leadership get out now yeah. but like yeah if you're just like oh well you know i just don't really i don't really think it's fun when they teach or something or the music's not as exciting as i like it to be no that's not like that's your church family figure yeah. it out and make it better yeah. but but don't just bail man I needed this. I needed today, Randy. <laughs> and understand, anything I'm saying is not like it's done. I believe, I believe in the Bible when it says things like you'll know them by their love for one another. And I believe the Bible when it says that you'll go on to do greater things than these. I believe that. And I'll tell you what, we have people here and our listeners, you have people in your churches that do that. Yes. Do more of it. That's what we're saying. I'm yelling at me here. (laughs) I suck. I am so selfish and so stupid and like lazy so often. And it's like, I don't want to be. And I want people that can come alongside me and pick me up and drag me along with them until I can march on my own. And I want to do that with other people, like in the areas where I'm failing. You know what I mean? Because we're all good at some things. Like oh, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty good at shouting at rooms full of people, <laughs> but I, I'm not not great at evangelizing people. Right. I right. want to be better at that. Teach me yeah. to be better at that. You know what I mean? Like we we all got our places where we fall short, and and so I guess I would hope that the purpose of this is that if any of these resonate with you and you go, ooh, I do that, and ooh, that that's a good point. Just maybe think about it. <laughs> like like keep doing what you're doing right, but if you're doing something wrong. Change. Change it. Yeah. And if you get done with this and you say, I hate those guys. I'm never going to listen to this again. We're Sorry. We're, well, but we're not, though. Like, I, I meant it. Like, sorry you're upset, but, like, I meant it. I meant it all. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if we just want to do a quick laundry list, uh, prosperity gospel, don't like that. Um, 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 the worship bad theology, bad theology, <laughs> worship music for the experience only. Don't like that. Uh, I don't know. What but, else we got? Uh, <laughs> we were so all over the place. I don't know that I can even summarize it. <laughs> I thought I could rattle like a bunch off, but I can't. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, look, that's it. That's On all the other got. hand, loving each other, being involved in each other's lives, helping people inside and outside the church. Those are things that we see and those are things that we want to see more of. And can we strive for church unity? And when I say church unity, I don't mean us all agreeing on everything, but I mean us going, hey, that group of people over there may not agree on election or they may not agree on how you need to be baptized, but they're Bible-believing Christians and they're trying to save people too. Can I partner with them and can they be our brothers and sisters? Like we need like the world is banding together to crush Christianity. It hates it. It hates Christianity. 
I look at all these other religions, like you see the way that the world attacks Christianity on issues like homosexuality. Well, Islam believes the same as Christianity on homosexuality in a lot of ways. They don't agree with it, but you never hear anybody calling out Islam. They're afraid to. And that's my point, though. We are targeted in a lot of ways. And so I'm saying we don't need to fight anybody. We don't need to be mean to anybody. But can we not band together and be strong together? Yeah. There's a call for that right now in the world. We need that. There should be. Yeah. Maybe that was it. Maybe that was my last complaint. There you go. Everybody, we love you deeply, and we're sorry. <laughs> I, I drug Randy into this. He had nothing to do with this. He <laughs> he got blindsided, so I'm sorry. Uh, but that was my little rant session, and I hope you had fun. Uh, if you've got questions for us or you just want to yell at me, you can write in to Salty Saints at becomehope. Is that right? Dot com. Dot com or questions at becomehope.com. We've been doing this for two years, and I still don't know the emails that you send things to. Is that bad? I have like 14 emails. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Give us a follow. Tell your friends. We're going to be on Life Audio later this month, which means that there are going to be commercials soon. Sorry about that, but that's the world we live in. Just hit the skip button, but don't hit the skip button. But if you've got to, we understand. <laughs> And uh, we will see you later. Until next time, stay salty. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.